Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like the entire Cardinal pitching staff, is very hittable. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everyone. And this week on the show, we are going to talk about the recent roster movement. We're going to try to dig in a little bit on what's going on with Jordan Walker. We're going to, as always, still try to see the good in all of this mess. And we're going to talk about the upcoming series against the Dodgers and the series against the Angels. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Well, Hambone, you are ham, an ham, elder millennial. Ham. Ham. Oh, nice. Ham, ham. <laughs> All right, coming out firing. Um, <laughs> so you are an elder millennial who works in tech. So you have completed your contra- contractual obligation of a- attending Coachella over this last weekend. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I have to hear a little bit about how that went. Did you just call me like a, a douchey SoCal tech bro? <laughs> I just accurately your coded language. you. Yeah. I just described you. You, cool. uh, <laughs> what do you want to know, Nate? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh i I, you know i guess just like in like two minutes or less like how to go yeah what was your what was your take on coachella this year yeah well i'll add to my douchebag factor this is my eighth coachella i've gone to i've gone uh, Mm -hmm. many years so you know whatever think think what you want to think um but as somebody who is a more of a music listener than an influencer or uh, uh, someone <laughs> to be seen out and about, I I don't have the complexion, the body, or the the wherewithal to be one of those people. Um, as somebody who's a fervent music listener, it, it's always you know I look forward to it every year. It's the most fun. You're in the desert, a hundred thousand people, uh, two weekends. And typically we see in between 25 and 30 bands. So it's just us running around, sucking down a beer when we can, eating a slice of pizza when we can and getting to the stage at the right time. Um, I'll tell you what, Gorillas. I've seen Gorillas once before them playing on the main stage at Coachella with the sun going down, bringing out all of these guests uh, was a, a really, really fun time. They brought like. I, I think they set the record for most cameos. I'm a huge Beck fan. Beck came out in the second out, uh, the second song. Um, and then it was everyone nice. from uh, De La Soul and, uh, and everyone came out. It was, it was a blast. Um, it was hot. <laughs> it was <laughs> the average temperature well, over the three days was 97, which is the hottest Coachella I've been to. And being an elder millennial or whatever at this <laughs> point, it, uh, yeah, handed, handed it to me a little bit. Um, yeah, when, no, you were, I mean, when you were when you were listing out the things that like, you know, why you loved, you know, what you love about Coachella, one of the first two things you said was in the desert and 100,000 people, yes. which 
I, I understand like the vibe and everything and the, and the scenic uh, elements of that. Uh, but just like in a vacuum, those don't sound like two things that people <laughs> would normally, normally like. So, uh, you know, adding in that it was 97 de- degrees out. Sure. That was uncomfortable at times. It, it was the, it, like, like truly the hottest one that I've been to. Um, that being said, like if you're Coachella curious or have an inkling to go, I recommend anyone to go. It is, um, the vibes are good. Everybody I, I've never had, or very, very rarely have I had somebody be mean or rude. Everyone's there to have a good time. And there's this like weird little community that pops up for four days. Um, which if those are things that you're into, it's a lot of fun. If they are not, it's horrible because you're around those people <laughs> and you're outside for four yeah. days straight. Um, th- this is, I-, I don't know if many people will care about this, but a- another highlight for me, uh, was Despacio, which is a, if, uh, it's a, a very specific sound scape setup where essentially they have this large air conditioned tent kind of off in the corner for the nerds. Now you're speaking my language and there are six or seven like multi hundred thousand dollar Macintosh speaker setups and they're all pointed to the center of the room and there's a massive disco ball. Uh, and James Murphy from LCD Sound System and the two guys from Too Many DJs were spinning records from three to nine every day. Uh, so you can kind of pop in there, cool off, grab a beer, dance and and kind of get back to the festival. And that was really, really special. We went in there for uh, two different days. Um, and again, I understand even explaining that right now. That is not for everyone, but the idea of like, oh, I just saw this um, L. Michaels affair, who was a like mariachi punk band that's doing covers of Wu Tang Clan songs. And now I'm <laughs> going to go pop into Despacio to hear some 1970s funk. Oh, and now I'm going over to the outdoor stage to watch uh, Dominic Fike. Um, if that sounds like fun to you, and it does to me, um, with an ice cream in hand, like it, it's the best place to be. So, yeah, I had a great time. Uh, I, I think you can't you, imagine you probably... the ice cream in the, the ice cream in the hands not lasting very long. Oh, you got to suck that puppy down. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you could probably um, hear the Coachella in my voice right now. So uh, mm-hmm. either I'm sorry or you're welcome. I don't know if it makes me sound better or worse. A lot of, but, a lot uh, of, a lot of saying, uh, nowhere to go but up with that. So yeah, um, yeah, fair enough. My, uh, my, of course, my natural inclination is to be uh, antagonistic towards you, but it does sound fantastic. I intend to. Uh, you, you would enjoy attend. it. Yeah, I think I would. Um, uh, one last question, I guess. You've kind of talked about the, the like, what was your favorite, but what was maybe your biggest surprise act of the of the show? I know you're bouncing around trying to see a lot. So anybody really stand out to you? Yeah, uh, Blondie. What I, I knew I nice. was going to enjoy Blondie, um, but. I mean, she's in her, she's 77. I think we looked it up 76 or 77. And she came out and kicked ass like the coolest lady of all time. Great set. Um, She, she came out with these like crazy Star Trek style sunglasses and was draped in like a mere Shaw. Um, That was really, really great. And a lot of fun. And like somebody who I would never see, like Blondie's not just like touring, right? Um, I, I'm not right. going to see her anytime soon. That I, I think that would be my number one. Um, seeing Blackpink, uh, which is something that, again, I would never just go see Blackpink on my own. 
uh, because, uh, you know, reasons. And I have no problem with Blackpink. Well, just... it is my five-year-old daughter's favorite uh, artists. Yeah. And so usually there's a lot big crossover between five-year-olds and, yeah. and people like yourself. So. so, again, that was something that was I was surprised by just like, the fireworks, the dancing, the music, how into the crowd yeah. it was, everyone was. Also, Blackpink did this fun thing where if you went to a booth earlier in the day, they were playing in the evening, you got these wristbands and the wristbands had a light on them and they would coordinate with the music and with the lights that were on stage with Blackpink. That's cool. Uh, so they're, you know, 100,000 people standing in a field with wristbands that are lighting up to the music that you're listening to. I mean, it's pretty wild experience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I like Blackpink. Too. They they are the it's like it is an impressive calculation of like pop music boiled down to like the most satisfying thing that's ever been made. Everything is 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 put through this like, you know, it's like the boy bands of the 90s, only yeah. we're doing it 30 years later. So it's even more like tailored to be exactly what you want it to be. Uh which it can also turn you off from it. It's not something that I listen to like all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's like too, it's like too perfect, you know, but it, it is, it's, it's, it's a fun spectacle. Um, well, cool. Um, yeah, I, I could go on and on. Blink-182 yeah. was great. Another group I never thought I would see earth gang. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I could go on and on, love, but it was a lot love, of fun. Love earth gang. Um, well, we've got a we've got a Coachella of our own coming up this weekend, uh, don't we, Ben? <laughs> uh, if you've listened to this show uh, from pretty much from the beginning of, you know, we started this show in March of at least this version of the show in March of 2022, uh, and so or maybe it was February. I don't know. Anyway, if you've happened to have been with us for this for that long, first of all, thanks for for being on the being a listener for so long. But you'll also remember we went through this last year. Ben and I participate every April in a little fishing tournament uh, with, mm-hmm. that is hosted by my dad uh, down at Lake of the Ozarks. And um, well, I think the notable thing that our listeners are going to want to know about is that we've come in dead last like three Every years in year. a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We go with our buddy Chris, who does the music for the show. And, uh, you know, we win in vibes. But you know what? This year, Ben, I'm feeling... Feeling like we got a chance. Someone, this is my prediction. Someone is going to do worse than us. Okay, it might be because I push them in the into the water, yeah. off the boat. Which, hey, none of us have done before. Not no. not me, you, or Chris have fallen off of the boat yet, and I think that is also an accomplishment in and of itself. So uh, Ben will be flying into St. Louis in like forty hours. We're going to have like a midnight drive down to the Lake of the Ozarks. <laughs> Super safe. <laughs> yep. Uh, and yeah, so we'll be uh, we'll be spending some time out on a boat this weekend. Probably listening to the Cardinal games and yeah. uh, ho- hoping to catch some fish. How are you feeling about our chances this year, Ben? Uh, I feel great. I think that obviously we have um, youth, uh, dexterity, yeah. uh, tenaciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. all the intangibles you can think of, uh, on our side. The only thing that we don't have on our side is like, uh, uh, $50,000 plus fishing boats and skill. Um, and decade, yeah. Decades of experience, knowledge, yeah. wisdom, and, yeah. uh, focus. <laughs> I was looking through some, uh, uh, photos of our, uh, previous trips the other night 
and was reminded that we ran our boat aground at one point and found a rope swing on the shore yeah. and decided to do the rope swing swing for about 45 minutes. So that gives you yeah. an idea of our uh, dedication to the craft. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think you get where we're coming from. Yeah, I feel like we need to compete. If we can't compete on uh, skill, wisdom, focus or ability, um, I think we need to really lean into shenanigans. Um, yeah. Subterfuge. Yep. Um, you PDs. know, I'm talking dra- Yeah. Dra- draining. Yeah, definitely. I, I've got a bottle of HGH for the weekend. Yeah. Um, def- I'm thinking, you know, draining the gas from people's boats. Yeah. Uh, I know every boat has a cartoon cork down at the bottom of it that you use yep. to uh, stop water from coming out. So we got to pull those corks. Yeah, I'm um, cutting you know, the brake like lines that. on your dad's truck. Yeah, you know if that, if 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 that's what has to happen to win, <laughs> there, there's a steep hill that takes you right down to where the where we're staying. In. Yeah, so uh, perfect for that. He'll survive. It just will suck. Yeah. Well, uh, I played a win. So if we got to right. do what we got to do. Um, so yeah, so we'll be, uh, we'll be hanging out over the next few days trying to catch some fish and, uh, so wish us luck, I suppose. Um, all right, let's talk about, let's talk about baseball. Uh, well, you know, not great. (laughs) So let's start with, let's start with some of the movement that has happened. We've had a, uh, we've had one major roster activation and a, and a few things sort of coming down the line. So uh, we, we knew it was coming. We talked about it last week on the episode with Kelsey. Shout out to Kelsey. It was great having her on the show. Um, Paul DeYoung is back. Yeah. It was inevitable. Did, yeah. It kind of didn't matter what he was g- going to do at AAA. He was going to get a, a spot back on this roster. Um, and that came at the expense of Taylor Motter, which only makes sense in that he was the 26th man. It's... I. Some people like say they fill a similar role. I don't really believe that, but um, you know, you had to cut someone. It wasn't going to be the bullpen. It had to be Taylor Botter. Uh, feel for the guy, you know, but that is the that is the life of a journeyman utility man. You know? Yeah, um, it, it is disappointing yeah. though. Uh, I, I we yeah. for all of the reasons that we've talked about in the past now. Before I get into this, I will say the good news is Taylor Motter did accept his assignment to AAA. He is still within the organization. The Cardinals have not sent uh, sent him off packing, and, and he's decided to stick around, which is a good thing. Um, yes. But, y- you know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm breaking any new ground by saying this. Like, why we like Taylor Motter is the positional flexibility um, and the fact that he has proven that he can hit lefty pitching fairly well. What we know about Paul DeYoung is that he has weird reverse splits where he, in his career he's hit righties and he's better than he's hit lefties, which isn't really something that the Cardinals need as far as their team composition. Um, really, a righty who mashes lefties is just makes more sense. We also know that Paul DeYoung really hasn't played anywhere other than shortstop in the big leagues. I don't know if that's something that's going to continue if he gets a start at third base or second base at some point this season. Um, I, I don't know exactly what to say, uh, or, or, or what to expect there. Um, I, and I think the one positive of this move is that I could argue, um, 
that the Cardinals' best possible defensive alignment is Paul DeYoung at short and Tommy Edmond at second base. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. To uh, to what degree is that a better defensive alignment than Tommy Edmond at short and Brendan Donovan at second base? Honestly, I don't think it's that big of a difference, but I do think it is an upgrade just because of Tommy's range and all of his skills at second base. And Paul DeYoung has been an above average shortstop since the day he came to the bigs. That's never really uh, moved. So there's that. Yeah, so we've gotten two games of uh sorry three games of paul de young and um i mean w- w- here we are again right he he's looked good he had a big home run he had a big hit in the game last night um you know he's not strike he's not struck out in nine plate appearances which is good he's also not drawn a walk um but you know you're you have a little bit less control over that in in such a small sample size um I just, you know, I, it, this is this has been the the Paul DeYoung experience uh, for the last several years is that he spends some time in the minors. He eventually starts to rake in the minors. They bring him back up. He looks good at the majors uh, for a short time, and then the approach collapses, and we're right back where we are. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know that it's worth to like completely relitigate that. I guess we just be happy with. Um, effective Paul Young as long as we have it. I do agree with you that, like, that is the that I mean, I guess that is the appeal and the reason why we, we keep going through the Paul Young experience is that he is, um, until Mason win, he is likely the best shortstop option for us. Puts Tommy Edmond back in that spot. And when Paul Young is locked in, he can be a very, very effective big league hitter. It just once the wheels fall off, it always feels like there's no middle ground with Paul DeYoung. It's either he's crushing it, he looks great, or he's striking out at like a 40% clip. So yeah. uh, I guess we take it as long as we can and hope that he stays locked in. Maybe, maybe, you know, knocking on wood, yeah. This maybe this is it. Maybe he's he's found it. He, you know, he definitely looks good right now. It's an incredibly small sample size, but he's looked good in, in these games. Yeah. So, I guess and, we uh, just write it as long as we can. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to feel positive about the fact that he's standing at the plate different. His load looks different. The leg kick, blah, blah, blah. I think we've talked about this, though. It's really going to come down to the approach and can that stick. And when the league adjusts to him or when the league executes again against him, um, can he make the change to uh, stay in the bigs? And he just hasn't done that the longest time. I do think that there is... Uh, a little thing to hang our hat on in the sense that John Mosaylock in his Mosaylockian fashion uh, alluded, obviously he's been getting pressure from uh, Jim Hayes and, and the media and, and just being asked the quote unquote tef- tough questions. Why are we <laughs> sub 500 right now? Um, yeah. Which, which he should be asked. And of course, Mosaylock, I, I think he's terrible at answering these kind of questions, but something that he said that uh, I thought was well, interesting. Uh, uh, ben, yeah. I take offense to that. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, like, when you really break it down, Uh-oh. you know, and, and like, I think I do a good job of answering these questions. Yeah. Ultimately. <laughs> um, Ultimately, I think I do a great job. Well, John, you alluded to the fact that you uh, <laughs> don't think that the team is done being augmented. You did not think the team was in its final form. Um, 
And Paul DeYoung being shipped out makes a lot of sense. One of the middle infielders being shipped out makes a lot of sense. An outfielder being moved makes a lot of sense. Like I think part of the Cardinals struggles, and we talked about this with Kelsey, is that everyone's kind of moving around all the time. um, And it's just the consistency has been hard to find. So do you solve that via trade? Are the Cardinals' hand, uh, because of this slow start, is Mosaic's hand forced to make a trade sooner than later? Um, Mookie Betts is, I'm just going to keep, keep talking about the Dodgers and Paul Young Cause it makes a lot of sense. I think the Cardinals will have to eat money, but do you really want Mookie Betts playing shortstop for the Dodgers? Your $300 million man playing shortstop when he's a right fielder, obviously Mookie can do anything, but a, yeah. a team needing a shortstop that is defensive heavy makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but I think, um, I mean, I think Paul's going to be up for a while um, unless he's shipped out. And that's that's just the way it is. That's whatever. Yeah, I guess best case scenario is you could see maybe a Paul DeYoung looking really good and it lasting. And then you you ride that high and sort of sell high for anything, anything. Um, but then it, or but then are you like, well, we don't want to sell high because when he's really good, he's really good. <laughs> will will it last? Um, I, I would take the sell high. Package him with uh, one of our outfielders. Uh, you know, we've still got Yepes in the minors. Um, the outfield's looking a little weird right now. I think it's easy to build the narrative of it's just they're they're not. Uh, there's no consistency there. It also is likely that it's an outfield full of rookies, <laughs> and yeah. so they just go through the ebbs and flows of adjusting to the major leagues. But either way, like. Most of that is solved by exposure, playing time, and and learning who can can and can't make the adjustments. And that's particularly difficult when uh, you're playing a different outfield spot every night, or you're not playing every night. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's a like most things, it's a wait and see. But this yeah. uh, that they've dug quite a hole where the the every day you're waiting and seeing. Um, you are digging yourself even deeper. I, I, I saw a stat the other day that uh, a lot of people thought the Cardinals would be, this was a high-end prediction, but it was not considered an unreasonable prediction that the Cardinals would win 95 games this year. Uh, at this point, for the Cardinals to win 95 games, they need to play at a 100-win pace for the rest of the season. Uh, it's something like a 615 winning per, uh, percentage through the rest of the season to reach 95 games. So uh, doable, but yeah. feels very, very unlikely at this point. Yeah. You, I every mean, game you lose, you're, you're, you know, that equation is getting harder and harder and harder. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, you can predict uh, further regression from the Reds who are <laughs> tied with the Cardinals as of this record, regression from the Cubs. And uh, Pittsburgh is not going to end up leading the Central. Um, I, I feel yeah. pretty confident in that. So there, there will be some wins. Uh, we can complain about the timing. We can complain about the schedule. But I do think you're right. We are at that point now where the, I mean, 15 losses are not going away. Though you have those; those are in your, in your, your loss bank or whatever. Now, like you, you cannot withdraw them. So. Uh, just as we were talking about like how this 20 and four start for the Rays can really set them up to kind of go into cruise control. Um, you know, the opposite can be true for the Cardinals 
Luckily, yeah. they're in the NL Central, not the AL East. But um, it's yeah. not great. Not great. It it is crazy that, uh, and it's a good thing for the Cardinals is that uh, the Brewers are also not in first place in this division. Yeah. So, <laughs> though they're obviously having a much better start than the Cardinals. Um, all right. So next, Adam Wainwright has begun a, a rehab assignment. And he's doing his damnedest to be a leader of men from Twitter and the dugout. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen all of his hoorah chanting about he's how fired uh, up. He, he's fired up. Uh, so we love a Wainwright and we really hope that, you know, his presence is exactly what he is hoping it will be as well. Um, Skeptical about what a single starting pitcher, you know, will do, but um, it obviously all cascades and I'll just be glad to see Wainwright back on the mound again. Yeah, I think it's less. I'm sure that the rah-rah nature and, and him being the leader and the old guy and yeah, yeah, you know, that makes people feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. I don't know if that affects their performance, but I will say this team is in need of a change that's a little bit larger than Paul DeYoung. However, that, that change comes if it's adding a Wainwright, making a trade. Uh, whatever it might be, I do think, um, just to, you know, the, the human nature side of it, just to get the ickies off of you, make, make a change to the roster, uh, that you can feel good about. Um, and and even if it's just mental, if, if Nolan Arenado feels better that Wayno's starting over Jake Woodford, that's good that there's real value in that to what degree. I don't know, but yeah, I want my Nolan Arenados to feel good when they go into work. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, he didn't have a great start. That's fine. I do not care about way. No rehab starts. The guy's in his forties. He knows what he's doing. Uh, we'll see what yeah. the fastball looks like when he gets back up. That'll be the, uh, I'll, I'll reserve judgment and critique until we see him throwing to big league hitters. Yeah. Hopefully it will, as you said, help them get the ickies off. Yeah. All that's, right. Uh, and I spent a lot of time in the dugout. That's how we talk. That's, a, that's the, uh, <laughs> wow, leader of men. Yeah. Uh, I'm here to get the ickies off. Yeah. Um, like the icky removal percentage. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, uh, off-season uh, World Baseball Classic darling, uh, Vilking Rodriguez is also rehabbing. Um, that's exciting. Uh, I think even though, I know we're just coming off of a blown save and it's not like the bullpen has been perfect, but the bullpen continues to be a thing that I'm not nearly as worried about as other parts of the team. No, Um, but still you can always use more good uh, bullpen arms. And he is someone that I think a lot of us are excited to see. And uh, I, I mean, you could quickly see him, uh, you know, escalating to a back end, uh, bullpen role if he well, can continue what we saw at, if at the, the if the Cardinals pitcher is going to keep doing what they're doing then we're going to need to have four or five lights out guys in the bullpen to, to keep afloat <laughs> yeah. uh, and not run out Hes- Helsley and Gallegos every single night so adding a guy who could be potentially on Gallegos's level or or new Henesis Cabrera's level would would really really benefit this team um, and yeah, I agree. I think bullpen is probably number one for me. Offense is number two. And then starting pitching uh, in the toilet. If I had to rank the the teams, yeah. the units of the Cardinals right now, I feel pretty good about the bullpen. Um, do I wish Ryan Helsley 
was trusting his fastball a little bit more last night and not uh, breaking out that curve. Yes. Um, but, you know, yeah. we have those nights. I don't know what that was. Some people were trying to put that on um, Contreras and, and game calling. And I I don't I can't imagine that that's it. I, there's something else going on. Either that's coming from the dugout or something was going on with Helsley and his feel and he wasn't comfortable throwing the fastball uh, yeah. because you know these guys have the same scouting reports that if not more th- that we have on the internet and like every scouting report on Blake Sable uh was he can't hit a fastball the only thing he can really hit is curveballs yeah and they threw him four straight curveballs and yeah. so uh, you know, like what, what led to that decision-making? I don't think it's just Wilson Contreras having it in his head. Like, let's throw a bunch of curveballs. It's something underlying there. Also, um, that's not how baseball works. It's not one guy making a decision. I mean, that happens sometimes yeah. a guy will bunt, uh, without the manager's consent or something like that. Um, but at the, in the ninth inning of a game like that, when they haven't won, that's it, it, it's not one guy's fault. That's the team's fault. The game plan was bad. Yeah. Um, speaking of bunting, the only thing that really made me mad about the game last night, other than obviously losing, was the Alec Burleson bunt in the ninth yeah. inning. I'm like, I thought we were so far past that. Now, I don't know if Alec Burleson made that decision on his own. I doubt it. He's a big guy who likes to hit the ball hard. They usually aren't the ones who are uh, making the decision to bunt. But, uh, whoo. Nothing gets me more uh, angry than a uh, one of your better hitters uh, being asked to bunt uh, simply because I guess he's a younger guy and they'd like, I, I don't know, it, it it made zero sense to me that you'd give up and out there uh, yeah. to move a base runner over with a guy like Burleson on, at the plate. I, I didn't follow up on this, but w- watching the game in real time, I thought that he was trying to bunt for a hit with a third baseman back, and it just wasn't a great bunt. I'm not saying that that makes it any better, but I do like that play over. I think bunting for a hit when you're a lefty masher is a great move um, if it works, uh, and it, it's <laughs> exciting. Uh, but it wasn't a great bunt. Yeah. Um, it moved the guys over, which was good, but he uh, isn't super fast, so... If you're going to bunt for a hit and you're going to be Alec Burleson, you better do it perfectly or else it ain't going to work. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Not also weird, like yeah. just weird timing of it. Um, just, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, it, in that point of the yeah, game, it didn't I, make a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and if it was, uh, a truly, uh, uh, trying to exploit the, the defensive positioning and bunting for a hit that is different. Uh, and my rage, is reduced to some degree, but it, like you said, there's a lot of reasons why it's still not a great, yeah, a great choice, but I would at least understand it a little bit more. So, all right, well, uh, well, hopefully Vilking can come up and, and get a good spot in the bullpen and, and continue to help. Um, let's talk about Jordan Walker a little bit. Hey everybody. Quick editor's note here. About 30 minutes after Ben and I recorded this episode, the news of Jordan Walker being optioned down to AAA was dropped. Uh, So classic fashion there from John Mazalek, not respecting our recording schedule. Um, But I think everything that we are about to talk about regarding Jordan Walker still applies. Um, And we'll be back next week with uh, some deeper takes on the 
decision to send him back to AAA. But I'll tell you right now, don't love it. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we've seen Jaywalk, reduction- Skywalker. Yep. Skywalker. Uh, man, we had a lot of bad. Uh, yeah. Joe, Joe, uh, Jojo walk, Jojo Walker. All right. Um, he, uh, he, we've seen a reduction in playing time. Um, after his torrid start, we've, we've really seen him come down to earth, uh, pretty dramatically. Yeah. Uh, which, well, I'll let, uh, I'll let you speak first. What are your, what are your current thoughts on, on Jordan Walker? Yeah, I think, uh, I really think they should let the kid just play. Um, yeah. If, if I'm being honest, he's 20 years old and yes, he's hitting more balls into the ground than he, than he should. Um, but he's still hitting the ball very hard. He's still getting to know the league. He's still getting to know the ballparks. Like this guy hasn't even played at every ballpark yet. Um, of course he hasn't right. He's, he's brand spanking new, still getting his feet underneath him. The offense is not the problem right now. The offense is scoring runs and hitting the ball hard, not enough. And, and I think is not as consistently as people would like it, but you look at all the numbers, the Cardinals have the sixth rated offense in baseball right now. You can let a prospect at Jordan Walker's level go out there and have a couple of bad games. I think it's fine. Um, the reason that he has not been playing, he's been having what Ali Marmol is calling work days, uh, where he is coming in, he's not playing, but getting extra batting practice. He has a 60% uh, ground, ball rate, ground ball rate right now. League average is 42%. Um, you know, I, I think something that's become very obvious uh, over the past few years is the value of getting the ball in the air, especially when you have exit velos like Jordan. I think what they're talking about makes a lot of sense. I do worry about putting too much uh, in a kid's head like this, but essentially all all my blabbering uh, to be said is essentially what they're trying to do is help Jordan get backspin on the ball, get underneath the ball a little bit and get the ball over the wall, Um, which is great. That's what we want from Jordan Walker. Um, I just happen to kind of disagree with the timing of it. And I think that um, making a kid make adjustments to his game while the league is adjusting against him, where he's already caught up in the meta of the league and them trying to attack him and then adding something else to it is it's not my favorite way to approach it. Um, But for all I know, Jordan Walker is is saying he's gung ho. He's maybe he asked for this uh, training specifically. I'd like to understand how to backspin the ball a little bit more. Um, and obviously he's got some guys in that clubhouse and coaches that can help him do that. Uh, people who are very, very good at, <laughs> at, at doing that. So I don't know. That's my two cents. Um, I think it's a little strange, but it, it is happening. We'll, we'll see if he gets the start on Wednesday and Thursday. I'll, I'll be curious. Yeah. Um, agree with everything you said. The only thing I'll, I'll add is that, like I think if there was if the Cardinals didn't have a bunch of other guys that they wanted to get at bats, then we wouldn't be seeing this problem. Um we're seeing Carlson more. Carlson's playing pretty well. They obviously like him in center field. Tyler O'Neill, we've said I, there's all the there was all the drama of Tyler O'Neill from a couple weeks ago. Um and as we said on the show, that's not like let's don't overplay that. He is a starter on this team and will continue to be. And he gets his days off, but he's he's locked in in, a, in an outfield position. And so they they want to have this flexibility to be able to put Burleson out there 
to be able to uh, rotate around. And so I think like that coupled with the the recent, um, you know, struggles, which I think is probably unfair to call it that because like, yeah. for all the reasons you said, um, but like on paper, if you're actively trying to win games right now, uh, you know, which they need to be, you can understand that you can understand the justification for having him now be a part of the outfield rotation rather than being the locked in every game, no matter what he's playing right field, like he was out of the start and when the streak was going. So I, I think you like, I, I agree with you. I think my desire would be that he starts every day in right field and we just let it rip because the end result we all believe of that is one of the best hitters in baseball. And the sooner we can get to that, like the better, even if it costs us some games or some, some good uh, plate appearances early in the season, uh, you know, that's okay. That's a, a, a gamble or like a, a, um, like a bargain we're all willing to make, but with the pressure on the team to win right now and also other guys playing well right now, I get it. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully he, he just starts hitting the ball in the air more and it solves itself and he's the starter again. I I get that. It's just, like I said, though, the offense isn't the problem. So I, that's where I, I understand the rationale and where they're coming from and why it's happening. I just, like really it doesn't make a ton of sense to me but maybe this will work he's yeah. super talented i wouldn't be surprised if he picks this up right away and starts cranking out 120 mile an hour uh, bombs yeah. and, and killing people on the stands but uh we'll see now another, one thing we haven't mentioned in this equation though which is i think is fair is that when your pitching is struggling you need your best defense out there yeah and i think it's fair to say he's not the best defender in right field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he, Agreed. So there's, there's that argument as well. Right. Um, again, big picture, a bargain we're all willing to make and are hoping to make for the next 20 years. We all yeah. want him lumbering around in right field, uh, you know, uh, swirling around fly balls, uh, you know, looking like he learned how to walk, you know, last <laughs> week trying to catch him. Like I'm hey, all for he, it. He's going to figure it out. No, I'm obviously he's Come on. You know, an incredible at he, he's normally a third baseman. He obviously yeah. is an incredible athlete. It's just like, he's so tall. Every, every, he, he's a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any slight mistake in the outfield just makes you look so gangly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So I, I think the, you know, the defense has got to be a part of that equation as well. When you have yeah. like legit defensive outfielders on your totally. team with Newt Barr, Carlson, uh, and, and O'Neal, like, yeah, one but, of the best defensive outfields in baseball or, yeah. you know, not agreed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to continue to talk about, um, you know, more about what's, we we're going to stick with positives mostly this episode, even though I think obviously out there, most of you are probably not feeling any positives and that's <laughs> fair. So hopefully this can, uh, you know, maybe help lift a little bit. Uh, but before we do, we, uh, would like to remind everybody that this show is, uh, supported by listeners on Patreon. If you enjoy the show, uh, you know, first of all, we're glad that you do. Thanks for listening. Thanks Thank for you. taking the time. There's a lot of stuff out there and we appreciate you taking the time 
to listen to us. And uh, if you really want to support the show um, and show us, uh, uh, you know, some love, consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you know, there's a lots of different levels, but um, you know, the lowest level, two bucks a month. You know, uh, check it out. We really spend a lot of time and thought and effort to bring the show to you, and we appreciate the support. Shout out to the patrons who are supporting us currently. Uh, patrons of any level get access to our private Discord server. It's called the Bird Scored. Tweet, tweet, baby. Tweet, We're tweet. having a great time in there. We're having a great time in there, as always. Uh, lamenting together, celebrating together, uh, just talking about whatever, um, you know, going to other sporting events or, or, or traveling the world and, and seeing sport baseball around the world. There's a lot going on there. Um, so join it, follow the Cardinals like you have never before join our patron or Patreon. Uh, we'd also, uh, love it. If you would spend a, just a minute and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, it really does help us out. Um, Ben, if people want to find us online in other ways, how can they do it? Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds. You can also follow us on Instagram at Talking About Birds, Talking About Birds on Instagram. Uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, criticisms, biting comments, uh, if you want to make fun of my music taste, uh, send us an email at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Uh, also, want to point out that we are on Spotify. Check us out there. Uh, and we have a TikTok. We're doing TikToks. Check out the TikToks. If you want to see our we faces, we got a TikTok. We got wow. a TikTok. Uh, and if all that's too much, you can simply go to talkingaboutbirds.com uh, to find all those links and us and all that crap or I don't know, whatever you want to do. Uh, dox us. Uh, but uh, talkingaboutbirds.com. And hey, you know, I've talked about it a little bit on this show here and there. Um, but I do have another podcast, and we just celebrated our ninth anniversary. I've been doing that show for wow. almost a decade. It's called The Short Game. It focuses on short video games, games that respect your time. It's good for, uh, you know, we talk a lot about how you fit games into your life. And if you're going to spend time playing a video game, why not play a really, really good one that you'll actually be able to beat? We just recorded our ninth anniversary episode where we took the impossible task of trying to rank our nine favorite games out of the over 700 that we've discussed on this show in the last nine years. So uh, check it out. I think it's a really good intro to the show. If you're, uh, if you're interested in checking it out again, What's it's that called, show the called short game. Yeah, there you go. It's short the game. short game, the short game. Yep. yep. So smash uh, that subscribe yeah. button, bro. Oh uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for uh, anyone who checks that out too. Uh, so, Again, things have been not great, but there are a few bright spots in uh, in this season right now. We've kind of already touched on how we think the bullpen is good. Uh, and one of those reasons why the bullpen is looking good is the sudden reemergence of Hennessy's Cabrera, uh, which has been very exciting. Uh, one thing I heard last night listening to the game, uh, Rick Horton on the radio broadcast was calling him cabbie and he called him cabbie like eight times in like a yeah. one minute period. And I felt like I'd never heard anyone call him cabbie, let alone that many times. Have you heard cabbie? What do you think of cabbie as a, as a nickname for him? Cabrera cabbie. Uh, I think it's fine. I, I'm, I mean, obviously if I, if Henesis was walking up to me and saying, 
Ben, please, I need a nickname so the guys will like me. I would say go by Sega uh, because <laughs> obvious. Yeah, um, obviously. Yeah. So I would call him Sega. Sega Genesis Cabrera. Um, yeah. But Cabby's fine, I guess. Do you have an issue with it? It just struck me as like, I felt like he was trying to make it happen, first of all, because he said Cabby like, again, like yeah. eight times in a minute. And I'm just like, when you got such a cool first name like Hennessy, like, do you need to shorten your last name into like a, like a baby name? You yeah. know, well, like you know, it's, like oh, these Midwestern mouths like we have, and Rick is from California, yeah. but he's Midwestern now. Hennessy can be difficult to say for uh, <laughs> <laughs> for people like us, so maybe he's trying to help us out. I can say Cabby all day. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't really like it, but well, but what I do like is we're, we're promoting uh, Sega on this show. Yeah. So Sega was, uh, I mean, it was <laughs> incredible yesterday, but just in general, he's, he's looked really, really good, uh, which has been a welcome addition to the, uh, to the bullpen. Um, yeah. What, what have you been seeing out of him? Yeah. I mean, I, I think j- just to kind of touch on what you're talking about is I, not that I had written off him. Uh, I just kind of thought that it, we had it lightning in a bottle there for a moment and that moment has flashed away and he was going to be serviceable. Um, but I mean, he's, if, if Hennessy can fill up the strike zone, um, his stuff is so good that it, he can do, he can do really, really special things. So, um, I think it's been amazing. Uh, what, what's interesting is that, you know, he has an arsenal adjustment. He's really pumping that slider. The fastballs tick down a little bit, um, but people are still reacting to it. Like he's throwing high nineties, 98, 99, uh, when really I think his average fastball this year has been about 94, 95. Obviously he can get it up there a little bit more when he wants to. Um, but I mean, a lefty that throws as hard as he does is, has always been valuable. will continue to be valuable is a hot commodity in baseball. Um, and again, like he didn't come out from, come out of nowhere, uh, but it looks real. It looks great. I'm happy to see the squad is back after the strikeout. Uh, very, yes. very excited about this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we need all the help we can get right now. So, yeah. So this sort of return to form and, and, and like re breakout is what makes the team, um, you know, more competitive and better in ways than we weren't quite expecting. Yeah. So really excited for him. Love the squad. Sega. We're on board. Yeah. Have you seen the Sonic movies? Do you like the Sonic movies? They're fine. Yeah. They're yeah. fine. It's kind of I like Jim Carrey. <laughs> I, I like all parties involved. You know, Jim Carrey having the time of his life. Yeah. Um, ben Schwartz. The yeah. Incomparable Benny Schwa, you know, having the time of his life. What's the main guy's name? Uh, is it? Uh, is that James Marsden? Yep. Hunky, yep. hunky James looking good. Yeah. Hunky James. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else is going well right now? <laughs> Let's talk about Wilson Contreras a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, kind of, well, first off, I, I wanted to talk about this cause Wilson's obviously hitting, um, and he's doing what we thought he would do when he hits the ball. He hits the ball hard every single time he sprays it all over the field. It's a lot of fun to watch that first couple of weeks was rough, but that's going to happen. And, and that seems to be behind him, seeing him kind of lock in, um, especially rocking a over 11% walk rate. Uh, the strikeout rate is under 20%. 
Um, I mean, everything's looking really good. What I wanted to talk about, though, specifically was Wilson Contreras defense. And I want to just speak about that through the defensive war rating on fan graphs, uh, because something really stuck out to me. Who do you think is the most valuable defensive catcher in baseball today? Well, this feels like a setup. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. So I'm going to guess are uh, I, I'm I'm not going to guess Wilson Contreras. So that's where it feels like this is set up to do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Sean Murphy. Wow. So Sean Murphy is actually number three. Number one okay. is William Contreras. Ah. Uh, so <laughs> wow. anyways, kind of yeah. fun. But what is more exciting for the people who are listening to this show and us is uh, Wilson Contreras is number two. Uh, so funny enough, wow. the two brothers are one and two as far as defensive ratings. It's like the Molina with, brothers all it, over again. With Sean Murphy yeah. at three, Cal Raleigh at four, and Elias Diaz at five. Um, and the reason Big I find number. that exciting, obviously it's super early, but his framing numbers are looking about twice as good as they were last year. Um, and defensive war for a catcher, it can, it's something that can spike in funny ways if they have good games and stuff like that. But the fact that he is putting up positive war, and I think that was the biggest question on his game coming into being a Cardinal, um, you, you have to, he's got 23 games played and he is significantly contributing positively on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I just think that needs to be called out. We should be celebrating that. Um, early, early, early returns have been great. Uh, so wow. I, I, uh, yeah, I think it's like, that's the, that's the question mark about him. Right. And if he's showing immediate gains there, um, I mean, you know, it puts him in that category of one of the best catchers in baseball, which is fantastic. Um, did you see the new stat that came out like today or yesterday caught stealing above average? No. Yeah, so uh, the the crew behind Statcast have been trying to create a better stat than just caught stealing percentage, which just measures simply how often did you catch someone stealing, um, and it seeks to uh, it basically is saying not every stolen base opportunity is created equally. There's a lot more that goes into it. Um, I have not done. A deep enough research to feel adequate to fully explain this metric on the podcast right now, but it is trying to be a more uh, like a better percent, a, a better way of measuring a catcher's skill at uh, catching a runner trying to steal a base. So, so it, uh, it, that's cool. I'm, we all I'm pulling it up right now, and it's basically saying like, was it physically possible for the catcher to throw that runner out rather than the players stealing uh, solely on the pitcher, um, which is cool. absolutely fascinating. And that puts Wilson Contreras in second place. There you go. Um, so he's good. And you know what else I like? We're starting to see that, uh, um, that intangible thing. Oh yeah. There that, we in go. that intangible thing that we, you know, I think, does get overplayed, but it was a it was a huge part of the Yadier Molina package. Uh, and Wilson Contreras is is not slowing down on that. Um, he's we've always known him as a as a fiery player and someone who um, you know you're 
the the team the opponents aren't going to like me but you're going to love me you know sort yeah. of thing and uh he's out there now in this sort of this slump he's out there talking to press talking about what he sees as the problem what the team needs to do to be better um you know you have to imagine if he's doing it in public he's doing it in the clubhouse too and <laughs> I don't know if it's working. I mean, they're not winning yet, but it's still like that's supposed to be part of the package that you're getting with Wilson Contreras is that like fierce competitor and uh, we're starting to see it and um, it's cool. So it's only a month in to a five-year contract, uh, but so far I have been about as happy as you can be with a 30-year-old catcher um, and your biggest signing of the offseason. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yes, no complaints. His baseball savant page is filled with red. He seems to be enjoying it here. Uh, let's let's win some games. Yeah. Um, all right, let's touch on Nolan Gorman real quick. We are in full breakout mode wow. with Nolan Gorman right now. I mean, wow. Uh, it, it wasn't that long ago where all of us, myself included, were like, Gorman's the obvious trade chip. Like, he doesn't have a position. Uh, you know, what does his ceiling really look like? And here we are now a month into the season and he's right now the best player on the team up to this point. I mean, he's doing everything well, hitting the crap out of the ball, huge home run, that three run shot in the Seattle series. Uh, I mean, he's moved up to the three spot, which is interesting. Uh, you and I think it was last week maybe the week before we had talked about like breaking up that three, four, five. Yeah. And, and seeing if we could get Gorman up there and here he is, uh, you know, I don't want to over hype, get too excited, but there's like all the underlying numbers look good. Everything about this looks good. And I think we will see the batting average drop. I cannot imagine he's going to sustain this high of a batting average. Uh, it was a month ago that we were hoping for a Kyle Schwarber comp, um, but there's been a clear improvement in his hit tool. And, uh, I think, uh, he's not going to hit over 300 like this, but he's also going to do much better than like the 240 you and I were really hoping for before. Yeah. yeah well, and I think what's fascinating. So I'll talk about the lineup thing first. I, I think the lineup thing is really good. I, I enjoy having Paul, um, too. I think that that's a lot of fun, especially when you're having new lead off. You have two super high on base percentage guys. Um, obviously, Paul Goldschmidt can hit a home run more frequently than Lars, but high on base guys run the base well with some power at the top. And then breaking up the three righties in the row with Gorman, I think is great. And I think um, I'll be curious about how long he can sustain what he's doing right now because he's hitting 293. He's got a 333 BABIP, which is a little high. That being said, with no shift, and when you hit the ball as hard as you do as Nolan yeah. Gorman, it would not shock me if he runs a higher than average BABIP uh, you know, on his career, the long career arc that will be Nolan yeah. Gorman because his exit velo is so hard and as we, if you watched the game last night where Paul Goldschmidt hit a 110 mile an hour uh, <laughs> line drive yeah. right at Brandon Crawford, who was one of the better shortstops of the past 15 years, almost uh, killed a man. Yeah, if you, <laughs> man, if you hit that ball hard, it is harder to catch. So um, it, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing uh, for him to run that high BABIP. Um, for me, it's the approach, though. Just 
his ability to lay off crappy pitches, his ability to, to extend at bats and then absolutely demolish the pitch that he wants to uh, swing on is, has been the most impressive. His, uh, if you care about this type of thing, uh, his average is 293. His expecting bat- batting average, according to StatCast, is 303, right in line. Yeah. Same with slugging. He's slugging 600, expected slug of 621. Um, yeah, so, so he's underperforming right now. Or his uh, his underlying metrics say his outcomes should be even better than they have yeah. been right so, now. Not by a crazy margin, but right. still, that's not super common. No. Already good uh, uh, um, uh, you know, results. Yeah. Yeah. And and to Nate's point, I don't expect him to maintain this all year, but it's all real. The league will adjust and he'll have a a bad month or week or whatever. Um, But I'm very excited about what he's doing and uh, and the lineup change and all that. I I think it's it is positive steps. Yeah. And it's this sort of stuff. Why, you know, like the, the Cardinals are in a hole and there's no there's no there's nothing they can do about they can't undo what's already been done uh, but when we say we're still very confident in the in the lineup like it's stuff like this where we're seeing breakouts from guys that we weren't expecting and we still have nolan arenado who it might be slumping but are, are you going to tell me nolan arenado is not going to be one of the best hitters <laughs> on this team by the end of the season you know right. like we've got him and paul goldschmidt and new bars looking good and o'neill's looking better like there's so much offensive talent on this team. It's it's going to be good. It is already good, and those results are going to start stacking up soon. Um, so we are still supremely confident in the Cardinal offense, even yeah. if it's been a really bad luck and frustrating three weeks or so. Yeah. And, um, and I know I, I said something very similar last week, but the card. If you look objectively at the Cardinals' offense performance this year, not runs scored, but all the other numbers. They are in line with Atlanta, the Dodgers, Philadelphia. It's just, it's got to break through. Yep. Uh, One last thing I want to touch on real quick. Uh, I just want to shout out Jack Flaherty's last start. Um, He's been having a really strange start to the season. He's been getting okay results, but a lot of the underlying numbers felt like, oh no, this is all going to explode at some point. Um, but we also discussed there's a possibility that it could go the other way, that he's like just a few adjustments away from a return to form. And at least based off of the last start, uh, I'm feeling very hopeful that we are we're getting closer to the Jack Flaherty that we've all wanted. I don't know that we'll ever get the 2019 one or even, you know, 75 percent of that again, because, I mean, that was an incredible run. Um, but I'm starting to feel a little more confident in the Jack Flaherty, uh, you know, rebound than I was even just a couple weeks ago. So, uh, I mean, we've said it all season, but we can't, we've said it for years. <laughs> we can't yeah. understate how impactful a healthy and effective Jack Flaherty will be for this team. So yeah. there is maybe some hope there in the starting rotation and Jack Flaherty becoming that top line starter again. That could not be more important. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, the, uh, you know, the, there's no uh, respite in sight as far as the schedule goes uh, for the Cardinals. 
Uh, we've got two more games against the apparently impossible to beat terrible uh, San Francisco Giants. I mean, I said it last week. There's just something about going yeah. to San Francisco and playing the Giants. It just always feels like it goes terribly. I feel like I still have PTSD from those early mid 2010s playoff series where we just like it just never went well and it just continues over and over where we saw it again <laughs> with the sable walk off and yeah. davis but whatever I, I, the next i saw somebody on twitter last night invoke travis ishikawa which i thought was I, inappropriate and me yeah yeah um too soon yeah. Uh, so the Cardinals have a three-game series against the Dodgers coming up. The Dodgers are not the powerhouse they have been, but they are still a very, very good team. Uh, ben, what what are you expecting to see out of this series against the Dodgers? Well, yeah, the Dodgers, I mean, they are what they are. They still have Mookie Betts, which is uh, a really, really good place to start as far as team composition. Um, and they still have Freddie Freeman. Max Muncy's having a bounce back here. Um, I think we we haven't really talked about it, you and I, but um, Max Muncy is one of those guys who, who I was pretty confident he was better than he had been the last couple of years. Um, just yeah. the the patience and power uh, and positional flexibility combination. Um, outside of that, you know, it's kind of it's a little bit of a, a island of misfit toys. J.D. Martinez is OK right now. James Outman, um, I'm not buying it yet, but he has had a great start to the season. Um, so so that's all fine and dandy. I think really what it's what it's going to come down to is the the pitching. Um, and yeah, now if, if I got to uh, add Clayton Kershaw, Dustin May and Julio Urias to the Cardinals rotation, that would be great. Um and they've all started of, you know, different degrees of, of good, not great. Um, but, but I do think that is really where it's going to be. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, who is likely to get a start against the Cardinals has not looked great this season. Um, home run, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? He, he's, he's just giving up a lot of home runs, um, mm-hmm. which, which ain't going to help anybody. Um, and also, while I'm talking about pitching, I just want to emotionally prepare everyone in Cardinal Nation to see Shelby Miller come out of the bullpen. He's been pretty solid for them already. <laughs> yeah, uh, the fastball looks good. A couple of uh, really just kind of like a middle relief guy. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they're they're still good. There's like I said, there's names like Kershaw, Mookie, and, and uh, uh, Freddie Freeman, uh, and they have a lot of other solid players too. So they're they're still really good. Um, it's hard to side with the Cardinals, especially how they've been playing uh, on this matchup. But I, I guess we'll find out. Did you see the the very funny sort of uh, the news that's been going around about the Dodgers? They've had uh, four or five guys placed on the paternity list yeah. in the last like basically plus or minus a week off of like last week, you know, so. Yeah like five guys have all had kids in the last couple of weeks. And you know, what was nine months ago? Yeah. <laughs> the, the all-star break. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, they had a break and they had a, they had a goal. So yeah. good for yeah. them. Lots of, lots of dads on the, on the, it's, it's the Dadgers. Hey, is anyone? That's you pretty this? good. Have you heard That's about a this? t-shirt. A, yeah. And maybe those paternity leaves will line up with the Cardinal series, and we can can uh, punish them for that. Uh, for you know, nah, most of families. them are done already. Oh, yeah, most terrible. of them are done. Muncie's on it right now, 
Uh, so he should be back by time yeah. uh, the series starts. Uh, yeah. Um, so after that, uh, the, we have in town the uh, Angels, which are a bad team, except <laughs> for having the two best players in the universe, <laughs> which actually makes it a really fun series, right? Yeah. It's in St. Louis. Um, right now, if you're interested, the, if the schedule stays exactly the same, which is still a big, if it's a full week of games, Otani will pitch on the Thursday day game, which is May 4th. Uh, I'm going to try to go if it lines up for Otani, I'm, I'm going to be there. Um, I really want to see him pitch. I suspect that a lot of us even though this will likely not matter at all, are going to try to really make Shohei Otani feel at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I like the effort. uh, Yeah, I know. Uh, And I don't know what, I guess what, what are you expecting out of the, out of this angel series? Well, I I don't, there's, I mean, it's funny. There's not even much to analyze, right? They have Shohei Otani. Everybody in the world knows who that is. They have Mike Trout. Everybody in the world knows who that is. Um, Hunter Renfro has had a really good start uh, for the Angels. So we'll call that out. I think we know Hunter Renfro from his time with the Brewers. And outside of that, like Jake Lamb is leading in ABs for their uh, first base. Uh, Zach Neto, who essentially skipped the minors, is playing shortstop for them right now. Uh, Rendon still isn't doing much. They're, they're kind of superstar potential prospect guy. Uh, Logan Ohapi is, uh, down on the injured list right now. And outside of that, probably for the season, yeah, he, he, he shredded his shoulder, which is a bummer. He was looking good. He's having a real breakout year as a rookie. Uh, Patrick Sandoval last name. Yeah. Ohapi. Wow. What a fun name. Wow. Wow. Um, (laughs) Patrick Sandoval, he's a good lefty. Uh, Carlos Estevez, their closer, is having a great start to the year. Um, the, yeah, the Cardinals should beat this team. They, you know, they they have five above average players. The Cardinals have like twenty. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you hope it works out that way. It hasn't been. Um, you know, if, if the Cardinals get worn out by uh, Luis Ringifo, uh, I won't be super shocked, but that's just because I'm feeling a little down today. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the Cardinals should beat them. Don't let Mike Trout and Shohei beat you and 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 figure it out. Uh, it really shouldn't be that difficult of a series. Yeah, it shouldn't be. No. All right. You, Let's. You uh, yeah. So, hey, if you're going to be at the game uh, on Thursday, let me know. We'll be in the crowd together saying, Otani, come home. Be in a, be in a commercial with Lars Newbar. Hell yeah. Uh, I assume most people listening to this show have seen the the glasses commercial uh, Newbar did. Shot in downtown Clayton doing, uh, doing Japanese commercials out of uh out of clayton missouri it's pretty cool actually <laughs> that's his that's his mom and uh was in one of them too which yeah. is also awesome <laughs> good for lars uh good for lars yeah he, it's like he's getting to the point where like if baseball doesn't work out for him on, on like a long-term scale he needs to just drop out and go to japan and be like the most famous man in japan yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would not yeah. be surprised if later in his career he plays an MVP. Yeah. 
He should. Or it's like a broadcaster or something. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's check in on some news from around the league. A um, couple interesting things, uh, and and you know we love some good news. So we have a we have a good news story to talk about as well. So Ben, why don't you run us down? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. This isn't good news, but I don't know. It, it is what it is. Um, Addison Baumgartner, after the start against the Cardinals, has been DFA'd for the D backs. Uh, I am assuming he will uh, get traded. I think some team will pick him up. Uh, but Mad Bum. It was such a weird deal from the jump, um, but I think pretty predictably gets DFA'd by the D-backs. Um, the Cardinals send him into the uh, into the Diamondbacks' grave. His sure last did. start as a Diamondback. They yeah. really did do that. Um, the Pirates and Brian Reynolds uh, have agreed uh, reached an agreement on a long-term extension. Uh, eight years, $106.75 million. Um, I, I think uh, this is a great deal for the Pirates. I think Brian Reynolds probably could have done a lot better than that on the open market, which makes me think he really wanted to stay with the Pirates, even though there was some, uh, uh, you know, drama throughout the offseason about what was going to happen there. I'm sure a hot start uh, doesn't hurt. I'm sure Andrew McCutcheon being there doesn't hurt. Fans showing up, all that, maybe... Uh, uh, but good for Brian Reynolds. He got a hundred million dollars and I think he'll be just fine. Um, really making that Andrew McCutcheon trade from years ago, look really good for the pirates. So, uh, yeah, now they have McCutcheon and Brian Reynolds. They got the money and the Yayo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not bad. Yeah. He, he, uh, I'm very surprised by this. Um, but it, it does. It's a good example of not letting narratives, uh, like skew you from what how how things normally work from, yeah. from the reality of things right like in the off season it was like wow Brian Reynolds now must hate the pirates and is done with them forever and he's going to be a disgruntled player uh because he asked for a trade and they said no and it's like no you could do both you could say like Hey, I want to trade because we're not competing and I want to be on a competitive team. And the ownership say, no, we're not going to trade you because we really like you and we want you to be a centerpiece. And we're going to give you a hundred million dollars for it. And we yeah. didn't know that other part, you know. Um, so like, you know, it's just the the news, media, us, we're 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 part of it. We're doing a podcast. We have to have stuff to talk about, but uh it's easy to overblow stories, especially when it comes to like narratives on people's feelings right you know so uh i am surprised though i think he likely would have gotten a lot more now he had a he had an okay he had a good but not great season last year coming off of an incredible season the year before so maybe there's a little bit in in his own like calculation of like let's bank the 110 million now so if you know I have a couple more two and a half war seasons. I don't lose all this value, you know, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, he, he, he's infinitely wealthy now yeah. and he's on a team that seems to be doing okay. Yeah. We, we've said this many times, but if you showed up to me with a check that had that many zeros, I, I don't think I would really think about it much more than that, especially yeah. if I, Off if I really like the two org. seasons. Yeah. 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 It, it makes all the sense. Beautiful so, ballpark. Good for him. Great ballpark. Love- Love that uh, yellow bridge. Yeah. Max Scherzer receives a 10 game suspension for sticky stuff. 
if you didn't catch this, there, there's some great breakdowns online. Essentially, Max Scherzer said he's using Roslyn and Sweat. Uh, the umpire, Phil Cuzzy, said no. Um, there was a whole back and forth about him washing, getting a new glove, so, glove, so on and so forth. And eventually, Max Scherzer was ejected from the game and receives a 10-game suspension, uh, which I find to be extremely silly. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm of, we don't need to get in this whole conversation, but like the guy's got to be able to use something. If he's using what's literally out on the field, then what are we doing here? Um, I also think it's interesting that the same umpire has called out three pitchers and no other umpire has done this. So, uh, yeah. w- what that is about, I don't fully understand, but that has happened. It feels like we need a better system than an old dude rubbing the hands of a young dude on the side of a uh, on the side of the field and making a judgment call on whether there's stuff there or not. Yes. You know? Yeah, based like, on that, the Mets are having to shelve for two starts, really two and a half starts, a guy that's making $43 million this year. I'm sure the Mets are mad about that. Obviously, Max is mad about that. Uh, it's it's The whole thing is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this exists, but I feel like if we're going to have this, we need so- at this point, it's 2023, Ben. You'd think we'd have some sort of swab, you know, some sort of spray that like we can do to say like, oh, there's a foreign substance on yeah. your hand. You know, something that gives you clear evidence that they're cheating and not, again, just an old man rubbing a hand and saying, yeah. yep, it's this insane. boy's cheating. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. make the balls tacky like they are in Japan. So you don't need to have this yes. conversation. Well, that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, In more annoying news, the Oakland Athletics have zeroed in on a Southern Nevada uh, uh, build site, signing a binding purchase agreement for land just west of the Strip, uh, where obviously a major league ballpark is going to begin construction. Uh, If you're paying attention, all the A's are having potentially like a top five bad season of all time. Uh, obviously Fisher, uh, the owner is a slimy little eel. Um, and I think it's really, I mean, pretty much the nails in the coffin. I think the A's are leaving. I think they're going to Vegas. Um, I don't really have much positive to say about that other than I'm looking forward to going to Vegas, potentially seeing a baseball game, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it, it, it seems all, all but done at this point. Rob Manfred noted earlier this week that if need be, they uh, could make upgrades to the Las Vegas Aviators, which is a minor league team uh, just off off the strip. I've been there before on Dollar Beer Night with a good buddy of mine, and it's a blast. Uh, anyways, uh, the Aviators Stadium could be upgraded to uh, uh, facilitate Major League Baseball for a season uh, while the stadium is being built. So it's happening. The A's are moving. It's... Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of a bummer uh, from my point of view. Yeah, I mean, you know, you feel for the fans in Oakland. Um, Be- being a former it. St. Louis Rams fan, I know exactly how these people feel. Yeah, they're uh, and they're running this a uh, very similar playbook as to what uh, the the Rams did, which is just like underfund and uh, you know disrespect the fans and and all of the things that lead to them being able to 
justify to no one but themselves like why they're moving like they're it's all business um it, it's very frustrating um it is yeah i'll say like the, there's a slight difference between like st louis and oakland and i don't want to go too far here because i i'm on your side on this is that like i'm there's a thing with oakland and the rays as well where like even when they were winning like there's there still wasn't a, a huge turnout to those stadiums well, but you could also argue is because they've underfunded their stadiums and made it a, a mediocre game day experience too so you know, yeah, there's, there's when, a lot. There's a lot wrapped up in here. When when the ballpark has human feces flowing out of the dugout, I'm not going to blame fans for not paying their hard-earned money to go to that shit box. Uh, I don't, what do you mean? I don't get it. That, yeah. that, that's like that's. I've been to your house. Yeah, yeah. I'm not charging liked. admission though. <laughs> you Wait, can just come over. Then what? Where'd all that money go? Where did where'd my? <laughs> um. I will say last mo- last thought on this. I hope that they remain the athletics. I hope that they remain the co- the color scheme. I do think it is one of the best that we have in baseball. Las Vegas athletics yeah. sounds fine enough. I really hope yeah. they don't do something uh, to to change that. Um, but yeah, anyways, not, yeah. M- most teams have kept their names when moving. Not yeah. everybody, yeah, obviously, but most have right. Um, and some, finally some good news, uh, Liam Hendricks has announced via Instagram that he is in remission from cancer. He is cancer free. Uh, as far Woo. as his timetable to get back to baseball, we don't know. We do know that he was doing some throwing during chemo. Um, and the guy's obviously in tremendous shape and all that good stuff and, and still young. It'd be quite the story to see him play this year. We'll, we'll see. Um, but who cares about that? Cause he's healthy and, and, and moving and, uh, ringing that bell and all that good stuff. So pretty, pretty yeah. awesome news. This is what I was referring to when I opened the segment too with good news is uh, Liam Hendricks. I mean, all time great dude in the league too. Just yeah, you know, not that that should make you more worthy of surviving cancer than anyone else. But like, I just love Liam Hendricks. He's easy awesome. to root for. Yeah, um, yeah, easy to root for. Um, and uh, he's a great guy. And I mean. It, I, I think he's going to pitch and it seems like he's going to pitch soon. The The White Sox made the choice to put him on the 15 day IL opening the season rather than the 60 day IL because everything was trending so positively in his recovery. So like that's only a 45 day difference and which would make you think he's going to be pitching in May. Yeah, uh, which is incredible getting getting a bunch of chemotherapy pumped into you and then being able to pitch in the same year is unbelievable very very crazy. yeah i mean it's, we'll see it speaks to his conditioning and his uh physical fitness routine and also just like how incredible modern science is right and, and yeah. what we're able what we're able to do now so um yeah really really awesome really excited for him uh yeah and that's, uh, okay, that wraps it up yeah all right, so we're going to play a little game. Ben, I was thinking, you know, uh, it's been it's been a rough week. It's been oh, a rough week in Cardinal games. Uh, that's wow. as far as I'm going with that. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to just focus on some positives. So we're going to talk about some all-time Cardinal greats in this game. Uh, we're playing another edition of Who Charted? Who charted? So, Ben, I've got two lists in front of me. So we're going to do two rounds of this game. Uh, on one list, I have the 
the leaderboard top 10 all time Cardinal uh, pitchers and strikeouts. Okay. I feel like I said that weird, but uh, strikeout leaders, top 10 strikeout leaders all time for Cardinals. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, and then I also have top 10 in home runs. And right. we're going to play this where uh, you have to guess one. If they're on the list, you keep going. If they're not on the list, you get a strike, three strikes, and you're out, or three outs, and you're out of the inning. Okay? Oh, so okay. you, I, I know it's, uh, you know, it's actually going to be a little harder than it sounds on paper, like name the top 10 home run hitters. No, it all sounds time really Cardinals. hard. Um, cause this but franchise has been around for 140 years. Yeah. I think you'll know most of the names on this. I'm list, sure though. I'll know the names. Uh, I'm just, that does not yeah. make this, this an easy game. Uh, but yeah, That's we'll, s- we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's better when these games are a little hard. Uh, so if you're out there playing along, you know, let us know how you do on, uh, you know, reach out to us. Tweet at us at Talk About Birds if you play along how you did in this. So, Ben, I'll let you choose. Oh. Um, do you want to start with the strikeout list or do you want to start with the home run list? I guess I'll start with the home run list. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so I've got it. Uh, top 10 yeah. home run hitters of all time for the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Stan the man usual. You got it. He is, of course, number one with 475. Yeah. I will then go with Albert Pujols. Number two with 469. 469. Nice. Um, I am then going to say Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire is number six with 220. Cool. Um, and now is when it gets a little messy. <laughs> uh, Those are the easy ones. Because there's just so many guys is really the problem. Um, so I, I guess I'll just start making guesses. Who was hitting a lot of home runs back in the day? Jimmy Edmonds. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he was a top 10 guy. Jim Edmonds, number four, 200 and 41 yeah that feels good um okay i feel good about that one did scott Rowland play here long enough he obviously got injured stopped hitting for power i'm gonna say scott Rowland is also on the top 10 list scott Rowland is not he on is the top not 10 on list. the top 10 list okay so i next person i was gonna say matt holiday i imagine their numbers are very similar though so I don't think I'm going to say that. Um, let's say, oh man, uh, wow, uh, Ray Lankford has to be on that list. He was Ray a Lankford, forever. number, f- yeah, number five. Okay, two hundred and twenty-eight. Wow. So okay. so far you have one, two, four, five, six. One, two, four, five, six. Okay. Um, let's put, Ooh, was Jack Clark here long enough? Let's, let's say Jack Clark. Jack Clark is not on the list. Damn it. Okay. Um, how many strikes do I have? Is that two? Yep. You have two. So one more and you're out. Okay. Um, man, 
here's just some like recency bias of my brain right here. Uh, there's yeah, gotta be, you're, you're very much in the last, uh, you know, 20 years, which makes sense. Um, I will say that there is one more person, uh, from like that range that you very much know who they are. Um, but you, yeah. you may not expect it. May not expect it. I mean, Yachty was here forever. He really never hit that many home runs. Uh, okay, I'll say Matt Holiday. That was my guess earlier, and I bailed on it. I'll say Matt Holiday. Matt Holiday is not on the list. Damn it. Strike three. All right, running it down from the top. Number one, Stan Mutual. Two, Albert Pujols. Three, Ken Boyer. Oh, yeah. Four, Would not Jim, have came to mind. Jim Edmonds. Five, Ray Langford. Six, Mark McGuire. Seven, Rogers Hornsby. Eight, Jim Bottomley. Uh, nine, Yadier Molina. Damn it. With 176. Wow. And Ted, Ted Simmons, uh, 172. Oh, wow. I definitely would not have guessed Ted Simmons. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you would have remembered Ken Boyer. Uh, and, you know, Rogers, Rogers Hornsby is on like every... Yeah, you know, offensive. I list, I just don't but, think of him as a home run hitter, but I, I obviously um he was here long enough and good enough that it my my opinion doesn't matter. Uh, well, that's the most accurate thing you've said. Thanks, uh, pal. This whole time. Okay, so now we are going to do strikeouts. Yeah this this is going to be terrible. I'll just I'll preempt the 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 squad with that. Okay. Um, we all knew that was going to be the case, regardless of the outcome. All right. Strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'll start with Wayno. He's got to be up there. Wayno, number two. Okay. 2,147. There we go. Uh, how about Dizzy Dean? Dizzy Dean, number three. Number three. Damn with 1,000. 95. Oh, wait. God, I'm an idiot. Number one, Bob Gibson. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, come on. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. All right. Bob Gibson, number one, 3,117. Let's go. Uh, almost, uh, a thousand, almost a thousand more than Adam Wayne right there at number yeah, two. Pretty amazing. Uh, newsflash, Bob Gibson was good. Um, yeah. How about... Ooh... Now, now again, I'm going to be terrible at this. Uh, let's say Chris Carpenter. He was here for a minute and struck out some people. Chris Carpenter, number four. Number four. Holy crap! Really? Oh, yeah. this is going to be way harder one, than I thought. If he's that high, one thousand, <laughs> one thousand eighty-five. One thousand eighty-five. Okay. Um, and the majority of these, the majority of the rest of these are are all names that you know. Yeah. Now, will you be able to pull them? You know, that's that's the tricky like these games, if you're listening, are always harder to actually play than like, you know, just uh, just like once you hear the list, you're like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, of course. Well, it's just but, so hard to like pull baseball players from the ether. Um, yeah. OK, but I, I think I. Ugh. He was a strikeout monster. But was he with the Cardinals long enough? I'm going to say Steve Carlton. Steve Carlton, number eight. Let's go. Okay, I feel really good about that right, one. See, 
Steve Carlton had 951 strikeouts. 951. Uh, okay. How about the Mad Hungarian? <laughs> no, that's your first strikeout. All right. Um, no, Al Raboski. I'm shocked by that. Um, how about God? Uh, I, I can't even think of anyone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I names are not coming to my mind anymore. Uh, Ryan Franklin. I'll just say something. <laughs> you got to get out of relievers. There's there's never going to be a reliever yeah. on this list. Nope. Strikeout number two. He's collapsing, folks. He had a great yeah. run. Uh, yeah. Ra- rather than me just flounder, I'm just going to say another name. Who do I want my final pick to be? Uh, let's go with Isringhausen, another reliever. <laughs> no. All right. You're out. Here we go. Uh, Bob Gibson, number one. Adam Wainwright, Dizzy Dean, Chris Carpenter, Bob Forsh, Bob Matt oh, Morris. That, Bob Forsh, I should have got. Yeah, Matt Morris. I wasn't thinking about uh, him. Jesse Haynes. Don't I've never Steve heard Carlton. Of him. Bill Doak. And then finally, Carlos Martinez. Wow. Yeah. Would have never have guessed Carlos Martinez. And then Doak. I've never heard of Doak either. So uh, <laughs> there's, yeah, it's no way. Carmar at 927. That is shocking information to me. He was here for a while and he had a couple really good seasons. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that'll do it. Uh, you got, let's see, you got one, two, three, four, five. You got five out of 10 on both lists. Not bad. Um, but hey, if you're out there and you did better, if you want to embarrass Ben, uh, let us know. Um, and we will be back next week with yet another episode. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your dog, have your dog, tell their dog friends and their dog moms and their dog dads. Um, you know, every little bit helps. Check out the check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, hopefully this series against the Giants ends better. And we have a great series against the Dodgers and the Angels to talk about next week. Uh, at the very least, we get to see Otani in Bush Stadium. So that'll be fun. Uh, so until next week, go Cardinals. Talking about birds.com. <laughs> wow. Always be plugging.